You are listening to Feeding the Mouth That Bites You with Ashley Parrish and Jessica Pfeiffer. A weekly podcast guide on parenting teens and launching them into the world. As always, we are joined by psychologist and author, Dr. Ken Wilgus. Hey everyone, and welcome back. On today's episode, we will be discussing teenagers and pornography. My name is Ashley Parrish. I'm your host. I'm joined by my co-host, Jessica Pfeiffer. Hi there. And Dr. Ken Wilgus. Hi, kids. Today's episode will be for mature audiences. I just want to put a warning out there. So if you have little ones in earshot, please pause this and listen to it when you're on your own. So Ashley, I started to research uh, this topic, pornography, in anticipation of recording this episode. And I was super careful, of course, in my search bar as to what I was looking up. But um, I found in my searching that most uh, searched term on the internet is sex Mm. and that 12 to 17 year olds are the largest group of internet porn users. It said that 49% of young people have seen porn before the age of 13 and that 64% of 13 to 24 year olds view porn at least weekly. And I don't know about you, Ashley, but it freaked me out. And (laughs) my first inclination is to lock everything down tight (laughs) with my kids. How about you? I mean, when you hear these things. Yeah, it makes my stomach sink. And that is one thing that really ignites fear in in my parenting is pornography, if I'm being honest. And especially you reading these stats, when you say 12 to 17 years old, because (laughs) I have, you know, I have a son that's reaching those ages. And so Mm -hmm. uh, it it just, all of the emotions, I feel like, Dr. Ken, what? Give us some information. <laughs> How do well, we do this well without fear driving it? And when when do we start having these conversations with our kids? Mm-hmm. I think, Ashley, your stage is, is probably the best thing to start thinking about, which is, you know, you've got an older child and a young teenager. And, you know, most parents hope for this childish innocence to just go on as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And we, we really almost hope for that like too often we end up just closing our eyes to what's going on so that we can pretend that our teenager is still essentially innocent the reason that's a mistake is because as the uh, statistics that Jessica already mentioned pornography is there and the strategy of mainly just keeping it from being available to my teenagers is not a good strategy in the early stages because you will fail. And then it's definitely not a good strategy in the later stages because young adults must learn how they are going to manage this themselves. So you really need to think about when is the point that you talk to your teenagers about this. Now, you'll hear it's popular now to talk about that pornography use is not just something that boys struggle with, but girls do too. And that is true. But I'm going to be very straightforward. It is still nothing like the amount of uh, interest that boys have. So I've had definitely a few clients, uh, uh, patients that were teenage girls that had even a pretty much addiction level. But the comparison is just there isn't a comparison. It's much more attractive to boys. It is much more exploitive of women and girls. And it really should be looked at that way. So uh, you really do good by planning not if but when you are going to talk to your teenagers about pornography 
what is our uh, reasons behind or what we believe and the kind of lockdown that you're going to do. Uh, last thing I'll mention is that if you look at the numbers that Jessica mentioned, the percentage of under 12 that have looked at pornography, that's why it's usually a good idea to have a pornography filter on your computer when you have children to keep mm -hmm. them from accidental clicks. Mm -hmm. But uh, when you have teenagers, I usually recommend that you move to monitoring software, which is not a filter. It's a monitor. It will let this computer go wherever it wants to go, but it will send me every week a summary report of every website that this computer went to. And you want to tell your teenagers that we have this on here specifically to keep us from being tempted uh, about uh, pornography. That's particularly helpful for fathers to talk to sons about, by the way. Mm -hmm. So I think on the other end of the spectrum, there are also people who believe that it's the idea that all men do this, that she's just exploring her sexuality, that porn is harmless, that it's just something that boys do. How, how do you feel about those statements? You know, that's just so basically ignorant. It's it's amazing. Uh, I've even occasionally had the father that will say, you know, when I was growing up, we all knew which dad had the Playboys. Well, mm -hmm. the comparison is ridiculous. This is comparing setting up a full hardcore, hardcore pornography, you know, stand in your living room where mm -hmm. one click can get you just – uh, to what you might still call soft core, maybe what was the Playboy magazine style of pornography, uh, to you name it, videos of, of the most outrageous types of uh, inappropriate sexual stuff you can imagine just by the same click of the button. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's just uh, ignorant. Uh, the uh, effects that uh, has happened with pornography. Let me tell you a little story that you may not know about. There was a podcast called The Butterfly Effect. It's no longer available. and You can actually get it on Audible, but it was by a guy named John Ronson. And uh, he tells the story of this guy named Fabian Tillman. There was a major pornography event that occurred around 2007, which I think is the same year as the iPhone was launched. And this guy who was from I think uh, Belgium, who's in Canada, unleashed for the first time uh, these hub kind of pornography sites. One of the big ones is called Pornhub. And essentially what was new is that by using this tube model like YouTube, mm -hmm. it basically set itself up as we're not providing porn. You can just upload whatever you want here. Basically, the long and the short of it was 2007 is when – uh, this uh, hose just was unleashed a fire hose level of pornography for free mm -hmm. that was never known in the world before. Uh, because prior to that, you could maybe on a go onto a pornography site, see a few uh, clips, but you had to pay money. And teenagers and children did not have credit cards to do that. There was a major shift where now your kids can get a hold of what is essentially what I've been told is enough pornography video clip to it would take you two lifetimes just to watch all the pornography that you can see for free that's a huge difference mm -hmm. from before nothing like the dad that had some magazines it's right. now this fire hose of filth that is just flying out there now again i'll come back to fear in just a second but at the same time that happened that's also when, for example, in the military, I know there was one report in the Navy where young men began to experience high levels of erectile dysfunction, which is mm -hmm. a, an effect of having constant need for 
more and more arousing porn, those kind of things. There's a decrease in overall satis- sexual satisfaction in marriages and dating uh, for people that were sexually active. Essentially, what's called a pornification of sexual expectations. This has been a complete game changer. So to mm-hmm. say that it's kind of harmless is just re- amazingly uh, ignorant. That butterfly effect it's now an audiobook it's not for everybody it's it's got some inappropriate stuff and it's not a christian thing but it is weird how he just talks about all the dominoes that just went falling when this guy mm-hmm. unleashed this brand new thing which is unlimited pornography for free that you couldn't finish watching in your entire lifetime mm-hmm. and i think it's important dr ken would you agree that Christian parents, when we're speaking to our children, our teenagers, we need to call it what it is and call a spade a spade and that that is sin and and trying to put a bandaid over it, justifying that everybody does it or everybody watches it isn't isn't what Christian parents should be saying. Yeah. And, you know, that's more true even than you might think, because too often when we think about just calling pornography a sin, we think about that as in some ways a lessening of the whole thing like it's it's it is sin not simply because it's a naughty thing that god said you shouldn't do it is mm-hmm. sin because it is exploitive it is harmful uh, it is dangerous you know so it is a good way to introduce the general concept that you know sin isn't this thing that everyone knows is fun and fulfilling but the big man upstairs doesn't like it that's outrageous and so pornography is sin because it is uh, hurtful to your marriage. I'm a big mm-hmm. believer in talking to your teenagers about the, your body is not for others. Your body is for your future husband, for your future wife. Uh, think about that person now. But secondly, and this is a big deal to me, it is incredibly exploitive of women uh, mm-hmm. regardless of the equality thing we're into now, nothing compares to the kind of degradation that mm-hmm. pornography displays uh, that that has actually uh, become an issue in secular culture. Uh, there's a woman named Cindy Gallup who did a, 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 a YouTube, actually a TED talk uh, called Make Love Not Porn that's quite heavily bleeped, I might add, that she is quite concerned about how pornography is basically the go-to young man's sex ed, and mm-hmm. it teaches a kind of violent, exploitive sexual behavior that is somehow made normative. And, and it is it is sin because it is harmful to us and goes against everything God has planned for us uh, as his people. So what happens uh, when a parent discovers that their child has stumbled into something? Maybe it's an innocent exposure. They just happen to um, Google search something and found something inappropriate. And then my second question is, what happens when you discover it again and again, where you begin to think this is yeah. a this is yeah. a real issue? So the first time, let's go to the first time when a parent discovers, I know that it brings grief and sadness to parents. It brings yeah. this idea that you've they've lost their innocence. They're just a child and they've seen something that they shouldn't have seen. And it, and it hurts you. Yeah. Um, so, and I would definitely start with that. You got to cut that out. Like mm-hmm. this isn't, so if if we're talking about a teenager, especially a teenage boy, there's no need to assume that uh, he must have stumbled across this. Again, mm-hmm. maybe he did, but again, we don't have to pretend 
to our teenagers, uh, especially to our boys, that, wow, what what in the world what would you find attractive about this? This is like an, a $10 billion a year industry, uh, what, you know, things that no one is watching. So, of course, it's attractive to mm-hmm. sinful human, especially males, but even female. So you don't need to assume they've stumbled into it. It's really more a matter of, okay, here we are. Uh, this was not, uh, we hoped against it, but it's not unexpected. So uh, you want to approach it from that way. Being really stunned and flipped out doesn't help anything. Mm-hmm. And when possible, it's definitely, again, if it's your boy, when possible, definitely this is a time for dad to step up if he has the words for it, if he's at all able to do that. Uh, so your first step when you find that your teenager is looking at pornography and, and write this down, you do not need to punish this first time. It is not primarily a punishing thing mm-hmm. because it is you, you want to get in on the ground floor of hopefully helping this young person to fight this temptation himself or herself. Mm-hmm. So you really want to talk about it uh, and and really get at some sense of. I get that this was attractive. Do you understand why this is harmful? And you really need to get at that this is uh, sinful because of its exploitation. And your future spouse has called me from the future and asked me to tell you to please not compare her or start, uh, you know, selling yourself short uh, of our future marriage. That's an important thing to do is to have that communication first. Mm -hmm. And then second, certainly you could do it then, but by the time you have a second incident, uh, you definitely need to go ahead and put in monitoring software. I'm not against doing it right off the bat. There's no reason to assume it will never occur again. Again, we're we're approaching this like, hey, we were hoping this wouldn't be a a problem for you, but obviously it's attractive. We're not stunned by that. So we're going to start monitoring all of our devices then you get into part of the problem of it's really tough to monitor every device. You sh- if you're in a situation where your teenager is secretly, you know, getting a hold of some old iPhone, always trying to get at the uh, pornography, then that might be a good time to bring in a, a therapist to really kind of get at what underlying issues may be there. But the, the main thing I want to make sure that you get at is really your first time, even your first couple of times. That is not primarily a punishing thing. Do not flip out. It's really a time to talk about sin, hopefully from a perspective of a parent that understands what uh, being attracted to those things that are bad and harmful to us. Uh, I totally get what you mean. I know why this is attractive to you. And let's talk about how we can help you avoid this. Dr. Ken, what leads a teen from an innocent exposure, which I don't even know if that's what you would call it their right. first time viewing it to a full-on addiction. Like, what does that look like? How how would we know as parents other than other than the monitoring software? Yeah, well, what what draws them back is because it's attractive. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a there's a verse in scripture where Satan is referred to as the prince of the power of the air. I like that. It's like he's the king of smoke. Like, look, here's nothing. Uh, right. Don't you want to sell your soul for this? And mm-hmm. and pornography, uh, uh, sex that is not intimate and not committed, is in a cheap way uh, exciting and attractive. Uh, there was one person said that you know 
from the Christian viewpoint, it's not that pornography shows too much. It's because it shows too little. A person that you're seeing sexually is is a full person that is made to be in complete communion, soul to soul with their spouse. So the, it, to to somehow uncover that uh, un- nakedness in a biblical sense is to cheapen the whole thing. So the the return to it is virtually always because it's attractive. It it seems uh, attractive to have what appears to be a sexually intimate. Uh, visual experience that is without any risk or cost or commitment. So uh, when you do have them come back to that, I really, this may surprise you, but I do recommend that you stay away from the overall too much concern about addiction. Believe it or not, pornography addiction, video game addiction, we've been fairly slow to actually uh, codify that as a diagnosis, mainly because to say someone has an addiction isn't always as helpful as you think. Uh, the really the best use of the term addiction is for the person that is struggling with this thing. If they really do determine, you know, this is compulsive enough that I'm going to to me, it's an addiction. It gives that person a direction in how they need to approach this problem. But to turn around and just watch your teenager for where is that line between him uh, doing it a lot and an addiction. Well, that that's really not helpful at all. Mm-hmm. Doing it some and a lot is not good. And so waiting for some fictional line of addiction, I don't think is terribly helpful. Basically, you want to try to measure, are we dealing with a teenager that is struggling in their basic agreement with us that this is harmful and I'll try not to? Or are we really dealing with a teenager that uh, really is just trying to get away with all they can because they don't even agree with us on this. And those that's an important difference uh, and, and how you would approach that. Again, you might, if you've had continual repeat usage, it's a good use of bringing in a therapist, then not necessarily an addiction specialist, but at least an assessment of what, what are we dealing with here. Mm-hmm. So when we do get professional help, um, there are options. There are counselors. I know there are groups that deal with addiction. Um, what does addiction or what does professional therapy look like in this area? Yeah, well, and that's a good good point because with teenagers, it doesn't look like what you might think. Parents are like, well, we looked on this brochure and they have groups and all this kind of stuff. Uh, you really, really, if you've been listening to the podcast, need to assess where is my teenager coming from because you can get into a, and say it with me, control battle that mm-hmm. you can't win. So, you know, forcing a teenager into uh, groups, where if you keep doing this, you're going to have to go to groups. You, you can get his carcass there, maybe, but mm-hmm. you cannot bring his soul. So it is, it is definitely not something that you skip over about whether my teenager's attitude toward this pornography is getting more and more defeated. I I agree with you, but it's really difficult for me. I don't know what the problem is versus a kind of quiet, kind of angry. I'm not talking about it and I don't want to do your little rules. That's a control battle that all the groups in the world forcing the kid to therapy uh, is not that helpful either. So you really have to start by getting a good assessment. And and most any of the therapists like me, when you know, when you're good with teenagers, it really a big part of it is just we're really good at knowing how to avoid a control battle. So when parents bring a kid to me uh, and among the problems is, hey, you know, he's got a real pornography issue. Well, once the parents leave, I know how to really get at getting past 
the the potential battle of dude you don't have to talk to me about any of this uh is there any of this that you're concerned about tell me what your thought about it is and putting them in a setting where they feel safe to really just make their own decision about or really talk about how they are in this then you can get an assessment really of whether this is someone that really needs help with what that person considers a compulsive problem which is what addiction is mm-hmm. So, Dr. Ken, other than speaking to our teenagers early on about pornography and preparing them in the event that they do come across something accidental or maybe on purpose or maybe their friend shows them and putting software on our computers to protect them, is there anything else that parents of teenagers need to be doing? Yeah, I might suggest two things. Uh, One that won't apply to many, but may apply more than you think. This is really a good time to take your own inventory of your own sexual history. It is uh, pretty difficult for a parent that is struggling with their own pornography use or addiction to be super helpful in being able to talk to their teenager about pornography use. Uh, I, I say this every time I talk. You know, it is time that we get past the pretend discussion of, hey, there may be some people in our audience that have had some struggles with pornography. There's a huge number of adults out there listening right now that have struggled with pornography. One reason I know is because I have struggled with pornography. I have, I can tell you a lot about monitoring software because I have monitoring software. It's, it's something that I have set behind, set aside, but not without struggle. And it's ridiculous for us to pretend that we haven't. So to come at this without dealing with your own stuff Mm -hmm. is really foolish. But then secondly, that leads me into the the thing that is critical is that all these things occur in and for a spiritual purpose. There's a real direction that the Spirit of Christ is taking your family when this what appears to be horrible thing comes up uh, on your computer history recognizing that these are all part of the opportunity for us to experience the healing grace that God has given to us, but also to be able to show love to our teenagers and to expand their sense of how different Christian love is. Christians do not avoid pornography because it shows too much. It shows too little. We are about committing our full souls and life to a spouse and not to be cheapening everyone around us. That's not a message everyone talks about with pornography. So I think besides taking your own grace-filled kind of inventory, I think secondly, I would just remember this is not a glitch and it's certainly not horrifying. It's another step in the Spirit's spiritual journey that your teenager's going through, but also the journey you're going through as parents. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's easy to feel helpless and overwhelmed when you yourself may have struggled with this. Yep. Um, and I want to remind parents that um, of the power of prayer to break the bondage of sin or addiction in our lives and our children's lives. You know, we can go to God with these things and God knows and loves our teens even more than we do. Mm. And we can ask him to intervene in this area. I think it's super important that parents never feel helpless. God is always willing and waiting for us to come to him with these issues. That's right. So thank you so much, Ashley. And thank you so much, Dr. Ken. Appreciate you guys both speaking about pornography. There are a lot of issues that um, we covered today and I appreciate your wisdom. Thanks for joining us today. Hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Also, leave us a review. This is how other listeners find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Feeding the Mouth.
We appreciate you and would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas about what we've discussed today, please email us at podcast at feedingthemouth.com.